Hello friends, welcome to what we believe is going to be the last of our Log On at 11 services. This is Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during the COVID season with the lifting of most restrictions, well all of the legal restrictions on gathering. We, we firmly believe this is going to be the last time that we will be producing a service like this. Uh, as from the first Sunday in August, we'll be meeting together, in fact, throughout August, we'll be meeting together with our friends uh, at St Fried's Wives, in our, our sister church that shares the building with us, uh, <clears throat> in, the, in Galilee Gardens at the back. Uh, bring your own chair uh, and bring your own refreshments, just to be sure. Uh, because we're not we're not quite there yet in terms of whether or not we're going to be providing all of the infrastructure that we used to be providing pre-COVID. We're still working out all of that detail, but we can say with confidence that in throughout August, <clears throat> every Sunday in August, we'll be together with our friends from some fried wives in Galilee Gardens at the back of the church, uh, and if you're able to be there we would love to see you it would be a, a real delight uh, to have you present with us then when we get to september <coughs> spurgeon should be meeting in the building at 11 o'clock as we were pre-covid uh, i'm looking forward to seeing you all there now before I go further, I need to say a huge thank you to all of the technical people that you never see, uh, the people that have put the service together. I, I record um, the bits that I'm doing and I hand them over to someone else uh, and they put everything together. So people like Simon Bradley, Mark Churchill, um, there'll, there'll be others, many others that have worked hard and consistently behind the scenes to make sure that we've been able to produce something uh, that, I, that I think has been of really good quality and I'm immensely grateful to all those that have worked so hard uh, to put the services together. Uh, the musicians, the people that have provided all age talks, you know, we, we've all had to uh, change the way that we operate so that we've been able to produce something which is recorded, hand it across in good time so that the service can be put together. It, it's meant changing the way that we do things. Sometimes it's meant changing the order that we would approach our daily lives in order to make sure that things are ready in good time and there to be used. Uh, and I think you'll agree we've all benefited hugely from the work that has gone on. So a big thank you to all those uh, that have carried on with that work quietly behind the scenes to make sure that we all have something to encourage our faith and our growth and development as disciples. So we'll follow our little liturgy just to hold our worship together. Uh, and uh, as always, if you've got a print copy in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type is what I will say on my own. If you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type 
is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference and have been indifferent to those in need, forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves, forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Sunday Questions with our host, John Questioner. Good morning. Welcome to the show, Andrew and Peter. Today's topic is Jesus, an insider's look. We all know Jesus the teacher and Jesus the miracle worker. But what can you tell us about his prayer life? Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Very early in the morning seemed to be his favourite time, when all was still quiet so he was able to spend some uninterrupted time with his father. Once we actually went to look for him because everyone was asking where he is. Did you find him? We did. Well, what did he say? He said we should go to the nearby villages and preach there also. So, do you think there's a connection between Jesus praying and Jesus preaching? Yeah, I think so. I feel like the time Jesus spent with his father helped fuel all his teaching and ministry. Maybe we should all follow in his footsteps and sharing Jesus with others in our words and actions. Praying to our father can really help us with that. Wow, that's really helpful. What else can you tell us about how he prayed? Jesus prayed before big decisions. He spent a night praying on a mountainside before he chose his 12 apostles. He prayed before miracles too. I remember bringing a boy with five loaves and fish to him when we had thousands of hungry people to feed. Jesus thanked God for those five loaves of bread and two small fish and then fed well over 5,000 people with that tiny amount of food. I guess that's why we prayed before meals. Another time we were at Mary and Martha's four days after Lazarus died. Jesus prayed, thanking God for always hearing his prayers. And only after praying did he command, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus did, alive. It was amazing. 
So, prayer preceded the miracle. Yep. Yep. We got in trouble once for interrupting his prayers. What happened? People brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But some of us tried to chase the kids away. Jesus wouldn't have any of that. He said to let the children come to him. Did he ever pray for you? Yes, but I am ashamed to admit I slept through most of it. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed for us twelve because he knew he was leaving us. He also prayed for you. For me? I wasn't even born. He prayed that night for anyone who would ever believe in him. I realised after he was praying before the biggest test he would ever face. The crucifixion? Yes. Jesus prayed his whole life, sometimes with tears, like he did that night. God heard his prayers because of his reverent submission. Including submitting to death on a cross? In our places. Anything else you'd like to add or share with everyone else out there? Pray on all occasions, about everything, like Jesus did. Big things, little things, yourself and others, even those you don't know or like. Nothing is too big or small for God to handle. 1 John 5 verse 14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That is definitely a big encouragement and something we can take away from this interview. Peter and Andrew, thank you for joining us. Good morning. After each of our 10.30 services in August, the plans and drawings from Grindley Architects will be on display to provide us an opportunity to review and discuss and ask questions about the future of our building. Please do come along. Today's reading is taken from Mark 1 verses 35 to 39. Jesus prays in a solitary place. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Second in our series on the spiritual disciplines uh, today, how did you get on with uh, contemplation, with meditation and that centering prayer? I wonder if you were actually engaged with that through the week once or twice. If you did, I'm sure you found immense benefit from it. Uh, what we're going to be doing today sort of builds on that a little bit. Um, I'm going to read a paragraph to you from a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. This is quite an old book now. Um, it's been around for quite a while. It was first printed in Great Britain in 1980. So it's 40 years old now. Uh, but it's still a book I go back to regularly. Uh, it's a book that provides immense 
encouragement and challenge to me. Uh, and it's his book, Celebration of Discipline, uh, which is the foundation for much of what I'm sharing with you uh, over these next few weeks. Uh, he, in, we're going to be talking about prayer today and specifically we're going to be talking about intercessory prayer. Uh, but prayer, as you know, because we've spent a little bit of time looking at some other ways of praying, prayer is far more than just intercession. But we're going to be thinking about intercession in a more focused way today because it's, it is the form of prayer that everybody engages in. Uh, even if they're not Christian believers, even if they would profess themselves to be agnostic or atheist uh, and not believers in any way, shape or form. Every human being at some time in their life has engaged in this sort of prayer. Um, let's just hear what Foster has to say uh, about prayer. Prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. It is original research in unexplored territory. Meditation introduces us to the inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means, but it is the discipline of prayer itself that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. Real prayer is life creating and life changing. Prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer, lies at the root of all personal godliness, writes William Carey. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to learn to bear God's beams of love. How often we fashion cloaks of evasion, beam-proof shelters, in order to elude our eternal lover. But when we pray, God slowly and graciously reveals to us our hiding places and sets us free from them. I wonder if that's how you think about prayer. Uh, it was an absolute revelation to me when I read that the first time to think that prayer could be that exciting, could be that energising and life giving, because that had not been my experience of praying at that point, up to that point, I have to say. That's not to say that I had not received answers to prayer, that I had not um, been blessed by God as I prayed, that I had not seen answers and seen lives transformed and blessed and people helped and encouraged? Of course I had. Uh, but the way that Foster writes about prayer is very different to that expectation that I had. And I wonder if it's different to the expectation that you have of what happens when we pray. That journey into the interior space of our lives where who we truly are is revealed to us. And it's not always very pleasant, I have to say, in, in my case, uh, from my own experience, as I began to explore this whole contemplative school of Christian prayer and spirituality, I found things out about myself, which I had sort of known, but 
pressed down and I'd, I'd tried to ignore. These things demanded attention, not to trip me up, but so that I could know that in spite of these things, I was still loved by God. Because I used to think if I, if I allow those things to be a part of my conscious life, my conscious being, I will somehow negate God's love for me. God won't love me anymore because these things are not nice. They're not pleasant. They're not good. They're not helpful. They're not positive. They're, in fact, they were quite the opposite of what you would expect of a Christian and of a Christian minister. And there was that secret thought, well, if I acknowledge the reality of these things, I, I won't be able to be a minister. And what God showed me was, this is a part of who you are. It's not all of who you are, and it's not who you ultimately will be. But at the moment, it's a part of who you are. Now, I love you just as you are. I love all of you. And I will work with you to negate those things. I will work with you to help to see those things diminish and disappear. And thankfully, uh, that is happening. Uh, but I am very conscious of my own shortcomings. I'm very conscious of the truth about myself. And what Jesus says, know the truth and the truth will set you free, is real, is true. So prayer is uh, prayer is multifaceted. It has all sorts of, you know, um, things going on. But the, the heart of the thing is being present with God, being present to God and allowing him to bless and encourage. If you read Psalm 139, you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. There, there's a lot of very beautiful and wonderful things in uh, Psalm 139. And it talks about God's knowledge of us. And, but there are a couple of lines <clears throat> just before the end, which are very jarring. Um, oh, how I hate the wicked. I wish you would kill them all. That, that's, <laughs> that sort of thing. And it just seems inappropriate in a, in a conversation with God where the psalmist is pouring out, you know, worship and adoration and how wonderful it is to be known. And, you know, you, you do all these lovely things. And I've been known to you from the very beginning, even before I was born, you saw my unformed body in the womb, etc., etc. Um, and there's this sort of lovely, beautiful stuff going on. And then in the middle, there's this very spiky thing. <clears throat> That's what we're like. That's what human beings are like. And I think when you engage in prayer properly, you become aware of some of these things. Uh, and as I was saying earlier, that's not to say that you know, you will not be loved by God and you will not be effective in your discipleship. In fact, quite the opposite. By knowing properly who you are, you'll be more effective. That's what will happen. So, <clears throat> prayer. It's more than intercession, uh, which is asking for stuff. But this is what we're going to concentrate mostly on today. 
Um, and as I, as I was saying earlier, it's the most common form of prayer and it's, it's a form of prayer that everybody engages in. Everybody does it. Uh, I suppose the first question when it comes to intercessory prayer that most people ask, especially those that are outside of church, outside the household of faith, is does it work? Because if it doesn't work, why would you bother? Um, in the classic understanding of intercessory prayer, there are usually three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. Um, prayer does change things. I, I absolutely believe that. And it was sort of at the back of my head for quite a little while. You know, when we were doing our, our little series, um, just the last series that we were doing, you know, John Mark Comer's God Has a Name. He had a lovely piece about prayer, didn't he, where Moses talks to God and appeals to God to change what he said he's going to do, not because the people are good or they're improving, but on the basis of his name. You, you have declared that you are slow to anger. You have declared you're this, this and this. Uh, and on the basis of, you know, being consistent with what you have said you are, Please, will you change what you're going to do with these people? And God does. So to come to to come to this sort of praying without hoping and understanding that you know the prayers that you offer could make a difference, what would be the point? So we're not we're not talking to a God who has set the universe and set all of the circumstances of life and said that's it nothing can ever be changed that's not the way the god of the bible operates we've got a god uh, who has yes set a number of things in motion and in train yes he has but he is engaged still he has not walked away and left it he is still engaged with us uh, and so we together with him in our praying in our interceding can set the course of events uh, certainly personally for our own lives maybe for the lives of those in our immediate circle and our friends but also for the world gosh doesn't that change the way that you think about praying about interceding for your friends, the church, the world? Doesn't that make you want to engage with God a little more? You could change the way that things happen by spending time with God, by listening, by speaking to him. Interesting, isn't it, to think about prayer in that way? So, yes, answer to prayer. Well, that's great. We, we don't need to say any more, do we? Of course. Uh, we're, it, does it work? Well, of course it does. We saw that answer. Uh, if you get a no answer, well, does something need to change in your approach uh, about the situation that you're praying for? Do you need to see it in a different way? Do you need more understanding of what's going on? Um, I'm trying to think of a concrete example. I suppose, I suppose it's prayers for healing for people very often 
is where the rubber hits the road for many of us, particularly, you know, when we have prayed fervently and the person has died. Uh, and very often, you know, one has come up against that harsh reality. And what what has that meant for our praying? Well, I think the first thing we have to understand is that human beings are finite. All of us will die at some point. Now, we could argue that some people die sooner than they ought. And I certainly uh, have been around people like that. I've been around the families of people like that. I was in the army for 12 years. I went to a couple of dangerous places and was around when people did die and people were seriously injured. So I, I absolutely resonate with that notion that sometimes people die before uh, their time, as it were. But that was due to, due to the circumstances and the work they were doing, really, and the circumstances that they were working in. So I suppose, you know, and, and also very often, you know, we'll, we'll come to pray for someone who's ill and they're really, really ill. Uh, and so we're trying to change something very significant. And I wonder, have we, have we been practising our praying um, with some smaller things? It's interesting to think about uh, runners. I, I've never really understood running, uh, even though, you know, I was in the army and, and I had to do it. <laughs> some of my friends and colleagues, they loved it. They would talk about the endorphin buzz and all this sort of stuff, and it never happened for me. So clearly I, I either wasn't doing it right or didn't do it long enough or often enough. And I suspect that's probably what was going on for me. I just wasn't properly engaged with the programme. Um, but interestingly, um, in civilian life, there are lots of runners, and indeed in Milton Keynes, there are lots and lots of people that run, aren't there? There are the Redway runners and, and all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, from couch to 5K, that program. It's interesting to watch what happens because, you know, when when people want to do a marathon, they don't say, right, I'm going to do a marathon and then next week run a marathon. They start running. And, and this was what I, I had to do when I was coming into the army. You know, I had to be able to run a distance. And I didn't start out by running the whole distance. I, and it wasn't long. It's only a mile and a half I had to run. Um, but it was within a certain time. But I, st I started a training program. And it was very straightforward. Um, walk a distance and then run a distance. And then walk and then run. And you did that. Uh, until you had completed the distance that you had to do. Uh, and you got used to that level of engagement. And then it was a little bit less walking and a little bit more running. Still walk, run, walk, run, walk, run. And then it was less walking. Walk, run, walk, run, walk, run. And more running. Uh, then it was hardly any walking. Walk, run, run, walk, run. And then it was run. Uh, and you get there. 
but you train yourself to do it. And the same is true for prayer and intercessory prayer. You start with smaller things uh, and watch what goes on and allow God to encourage you. And, and prayer, very often you'll hear people talk about school of prayer. I think that's a really useful phrase because all of these disciplines actually are learning disciplines. It's all about learning to do things and developing and growing. Uh, and, you know, there are some things that are appropriate uh, at certain times in our lives. You don't expect a seven-year-old to do a university degree, but you do expect a 20-year-old, 21-year-old to do a university degree. So there may be seasons in your life when intercessory prayer actually is something that is very uh, apparent to you and it's something you engage in often and regularly and there may be other times when it is less so uh, and should you pray for somebody or something um, difficult to say isn't it but do you feel a pull in your spirit to pray for somebody then there's a good chance you should or an event or something you see in the news you know do you get that tug from god well i want to pray for that well, do then in that case. But if you don't, then don't. It's not for you to do. Uh, and that's the other thing we need to say. Um, you won't. You won't have to be doing everything all at once. You. There are some things that God will encourage you to do, and some things that you won't. Um, so it's really about being tuned to what God might be saying to us. Uh, and our approach. So does it work? Three answers to prayer. Yes, no, wait. Um, so if you get a no answer, does something need to change in your approach? Um, is this an area that, you know, God is saying you do not need to be involved with? Um, so leave that for other people to deal with? Um, or, or is it, you know, you need to spend more time with me so you understand more fully what is happening in this person's life? And then you'll be able to pray in the right way to see things uh, change for them. Um, wait. The wait answer uh, to intercessory prayer is probably the hardest one of the lot, because really what's happening there is God saying to us, be patient and be persistent. Continue to pray. Continue to watch and pray. And let's see what happens. Um, we looked at the book of James, didn't we, a little while ago? And interestingly, James, uh, when he's talking about prayer, and he does talk about prayer um, quite significantly, doesn't he? Um, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So there's something about motive for us here as well, isn't there? Um, what are your motives? When you look at Jesus, Jesus is always moved by compassion. Um, Jesus looks at the people, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, and he's moved with compassion for them. And you often find that when the lepers come or when a leper comes uh, and says, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus is moved by compassion for him and says, I do want to be clean and touches him. And he is clean. Uh, 
Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you know, is all about um, being not being conformed um, to the measure of this world, but being transformed by the power of the Spirit so that we might understand uh, what God's will is, God's uh, holy uh, and perfect will. And that really, I think, is a key part of all of this. Um, Foster, again, you know, in his book says real prayer is thinking God's thoughts after him. So time with God is never wasted. That, that whole piece we were doing last week in terms of meditation, contemplation. Um, you know, th this is something that is really, really important. Uh, and it it is <laughs> one of the reasons I took you through that exercise very briefly was to give you a little taste. I mean, what, what you really need is, you know, the next time I run something in the church, uh, you need to come and spend, you know, half an hour or an hour just with a piece of scripture, bringing body and mind into stillness and listening, listening to God and allowing God to speak to you through that scripture because once you've done that properly once you will want to do it again because there is nothing quite like having God speak to you directly through his word it is transformative and it does change the way that you see the world there's no doubt about it uh, so I'm sorry we couldn't do uh, we couldn't do 40 minutes <laughs> last week. Uh, it would have been too much, wouldn't it? And there wasn't enough space. But it is it is work that I think is necessary. It's very hard for us if we're activists, and most most Baptists by nature are that. There are very few of us that are contemplative by nature. But it is a side of us that I think needs to be developed and cultivated and encouraged because I think that will help us when it comes to praying for others, praying for situations around the world, praying for members of our family, praying for friends, praying for the church, because we'll have much more understanding of exactly what it is that God is wanting and the outcome that God is working towards and we will be able to join in with him. Uh, and if we are joining in with God's purpose, then the outcome is assured. So there's no right way or wrong way, you know, of, of doing that contemplative meditation piece. I mean, I was I was giving you something last week that was helpful to me and something that I've, I've found very useful. Uh, and it's it's very much in line with my character and personality. Um, but as I, as I was saying, you know, some of you will find it very difficult to find a quiet place and to be on your own. So the best thing, you know, for you very often, the time you talk to God is when you're out for a walk or if you're in the countryside, you know, and you're surrounded by nature or you're in your garden. You know, it's it's for you to find a place that is appropriate and an approach that is appropriate, but, you know, to be able to meditate, to meditate on God, God's creation, God's word, to allow God to speak to you directly as he will. That, I think, is 
very significant and very important. Um, what about your approach to prayer? Well, when Jesus uh, was asked by his apostles to teach them to pray, he said, when you pray, say, Father. And we noted when we did our series on the Lord's Prayer that that was such a radical thing for Jesus to say at that time uh, to his group of followers. You know, this childlike approach and, and coming to God and seeing God in that intimate way as a loving father who delights in his children, um, not as a, a monarch, uh, not as a you know, potentate, not as someone who is who is powerful and angry and uh, wanting to, you know, and not wanting to engage, too busy. You know, th these were all pictures that would have been prevalent possibly at the time. But this notion of a father who delights in the presence of his children and is ready to listen and engage with them, that was such a different thing such a different way of understanding God. Um, but that's the approach that we should take. Understand that God loves you and cares for you and about you and wants to bless and help and encourage. But understand that he's a good father <laughs> and a proper father. So if you ask for stupid things, he's going to say no. And I would count um, a Rolls Royce and a Harley Davidson and a big house in the country as asking for stupid things. I know that's hard to believe, but, you know, I don't think God is there to do that sort of stuff. But, you know, to pray for someone who's ill, as we were saying before, of course. To, how do you pray, though? What do you pray? Well, this is why it's so important to spend time with God in the first place, because it stops you from asking for things that are contrary to his will. I mean, I think about some folk. I mean, I, I pray regularly for lots of people and some of the names are always present in that list, aren't they? Uh, and for some of them, I'm not asking God to change their circumstances. Actually, what I say to God is, I want them to know the joy of their salvation. Because when I've spent time with God, and, I've been, and part of me, uh, you know, has wanted to say, well, just restore them, you know, restore them to health now. But that's not what God has been saying to me about them something else entirely. So I can't pray against that because it's never going to work. But to be in the presence of God and to say to God, I mean, some of you must get very frustrated <clears throat> because I don't give any detail, do I? But that's, I think, you know, we don't need the detail. You and I don't need, it's just gossip. God knows what's going on with all these folk and he knows what they need, which is why I say, be all that our friends need at this time. Because to say more would maybe be praying against God's will for them. And that would be hard, wouldn't it? 
and it ain't going to work. So it is about spending time with God. It is about allowing God to know us. It's about letting him speak to us. It's about us knowing God uh, and understanding the broad direction of travel in all sorts of situations. Uh, and just think about your own situation and how complicated that can be sometimes. Well, God will speak into that. You know, and if, if other people are praying for you, uh, God will speak into that if they spend time with him first. And he'll, he'll be able to direct their praying for you so that they pray aright for you. And that's great. Um, it is a learning pro process, as we've said. So you know, we need to practice. Remember, this is a discipline. Start small and build up. Um, think, think about the runner. You know, you don't do a marathon straight off. Uh, you do smaller jogs first. You know, you get up to 5K and then you do 10K and then you do half marathon and marathon. If that's your thing. Um, uh, the, the place of the imagination. I was slightly ambivalent about this and am still a little, I think. Um, but again, Foster speaks very powerfully about this and he cites other sources. Um, so, he, you know, he's been doing this for quite some time. And he talks about engaging the imagination when you pray and pray for people. And he, he talks about how good children are at this. Um, and because they they have good imaginations uh, and they're able to see things that adults find it difficult to see sometimes. Uh, and he, he gives an example of a, a little family where there's a very young girl, um, baby girl, who's quite ill. And she has an older brother who's about four. And Foster is called in to pray for the girl. And he just says to the brother, let's play a game. Uh, we know that Jesus is always with us. So let's, let's um, see Jesus sitting in the chair opposite. Uh, and as we pray for your sister, we'll just see Jesus come across. You know, we'll, we'll put our hands, um, you'll put your hands first and I'll put my hands on top of yours. And then we'll see Jesus put his hands on top of ours and we'll see all of that love that he has for your sister flowing into her. Should we do that? And of course the little boy says, yes, let's. And that's what they do. Uh, and Foster says, you know, I don't know whether, whether I was putting some sort of post-hypnotic suggestion in there or whatever. But the, it's a baby girl, so, you know, that child is not, nothing's going to happen for them. But interestingly, the next day, the baby girl was healed. Uh, and, you know, what did he do? He just prayed, laid hands on it and prayed and asked the brother to pray. So use your imagination. We were talking about this uh, last week in terms of meditation and contemplation on the word you know where see yourself in the picture see yourself in the story of the bible you know when i was doing psalm 23 with you see yourself in the lush green pasture dip your fingers in the cool clear water see jesus coming to you and leading you to the table hear him say your name this is your place at the banquet and this is where you're going to be with me forever 
I mean, whenever I've gone through that exercise with Psalm 23, I've been so encouraged and so blessed and reassured just by using my imagination. Now, it's up to you whether you believe this or not, um, but I would suggest it's worth trying. Um, some of you will be better at this than others, but it's worth engaging with all of this. Um, prayer is, is an important and a significant part of our Christian discipleship. And when I came to visit everybody in my first year, one of the things I was keen to find out was it was to do with your prayer life, wasn't it? And I know that it's a struggle for most of us. Don't despair. You're just the same as me and you're just the same as everybody else in the church. We all struggle with this. Um, but I want to encourage you to continue to engage with the practice. So in summary, um, meditation is a necessary prelude to intercession. So we need to practice that as well as our praying. We need to be in touch with God so that we can hear from God and get God's take on various situations. So spend time with God, your loving Heavenly Father. Get to know him, get to hear his voice and know what it sounds like. Come expectantly. Prayer changes things always. Start small. Think about the runner. Uh, listen to God. That's the essence of prayer, really. Listening to him first. Use your imagination. Practice. Um, it's like the running thing. The more you do it, the easier it gets. So exercise your prayer muscles. See you next week. Father God, we begin with the world. Uh, we pray for all those who are struggling due to uh, the extreme heat uh, in our own country. And uh, pray, Father, that we'll, we will all have been sensible and kept ourselves safe over these few days when uh, <clears throat> the sun has been really bright and uh, really strong and intense. We pray for all the folk in Western Europe, especially Germany, who have been suffering because of flooding. Uh, folk in America suffering on the West Coast with uh, wildfire events. It, it's clear, Lord, that things are going on with our world, um, that it is <clears throat> less, it seems less safe, less secure in terms of extreme weather events than at any other time uh, in our history. And whilst it's not uh, easy for many of us to do much to change things, I mean, there may well be things that we can do. Uh, and we pray that we might be alive and alert to what, whatever you may say to us. But we pray particularly for those uh, who watch the world and in terms of climate um, and those who are working to mitigate uh, the issue as it as it clearly is uh, moving along. We also pray for politicians around the world because we're very conscious that this is something that won't be solved by one country alone. It needs all of the countries of the world to work together. And it is a massive challenge. We know that people, nations of the world can work together because of what has happened with the pandemic. And that has been patchy, we know. But we've seen some progress. So if we can do it there, please, God, help us to do it 
in terms of climate change. Also in the UK, we're very aware, or perhaps should be more aware, of the bill that has gone through Parliament, is travelling through Parliament, to do with helping to keep women and girls safe in our country. And it has been shocking for many of us, Lord, to hear the voices of women and girls just talking about how difficult daily life is for them, particularly schoolgirls, Lord, who suffer unwanted approaches from schoolboys and maybe others who are older, and boys just thinking it's all right to touch when they've not been invited. think about my own youth and how bad I was and the, the encouragement there was for men to think in that way that women were there that women were available for men you know and how manliness was measured God help us for the pressure we put on young women and girls and in fact all women to conform to stereotypes to be what we've wanted them to be help us to see properly Lord fully fully formed human beings more than just bodies more than just the physical equal We pray that our country would be a safe place for all people everywhere, whatever their sex. Help us to celebrate one another, Lord. We pray for our friends, for Chris, Ken, Eric, Graham, Adrienne, Hugh, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob. Dennis and Shirley, Richard, Naomi, Thelma, Peter and Sharon, Georgina, June, Mary, Jay, Terry, Lauren and Lewis. Father God, please be all that our friends need in these days. We gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, 
neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honour all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. look like lovely plans for the building, don't they, Laura? Laura? Luke! Luke! I think people are still watching! Oh, what? Oh, you're right. Hi, everyone. Since you've all made it this far, we want to take this opportunity to say thank you to Simon Bradley, now that our online services have come to an end. As Kevin already said at the start of the service, Simon has been putting together our online services since March 2020 and all of this would have been incredibly difficult to manage without him. Thanks Simon! Oh, and there are quite a few, well actually lots and lots of other people who have also contributed to our online services over the past 18 months. And we want to thank them too. Roll the credits.